Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear, but not on Friday, right? Monday, number 60, what are we at? 68? 68. 68. Uh, so, as you guys know, there was no Friday QA, so it's on Monday. Um, and that's what we talked about. We wouldn't skip QAs. Uh, we may have to move them around from time to time. We'll put something in their place, this is what we did on Friday, and then we'll make it up a day or two later. So that's what we did. And uh, see a lot of see a lot of people already on a lot of familiar faces. We'll do some QAs and some updates. This is going to be an interesting week. This is really important because there won't be a Friday QA this coming Friday either. <laughs> It'll have to get moved around. Um, there's a small chance I'll figure something out, but I doubt it um, because I will be at the PRS event this Friday, which is June 8th, uh, 8th and 9th. Is that correct? Let me look at the calendar. Sometimes. Sometimes, even I can't remember. Uh, yeah, 8th and 9th. Yep, so Friday and Saturday. Uh, uh, for those of you that will be in Maryland at the PRS event, I'll be walking around, checking things out. There will be uh, Tyler Larson's doing a clinic, and uh, uh, and uh, the Tone King will be there as well. So there might be some other YouTubers that I know. I just don't, I haven't heard of anyone going besides us. So we'll see. We could talk about that. We could talk about anything, actually. <laughs> Sonya's like, bring back a PRS, please. I will be super shocked if I get a PRS at the event uh, because I have a lot of PRSs now, way more than I, I, I don't want to say I want, I want them, but I mean, way more than I think I, 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 I never anticipated allocating for guitars for myself. So, and the main guitar I would probably want is another Mira and they don't have them. They have the S2s. All right. Okay, I have a bunch of questions. I want to hit them, but all of them real quick. But the first one was, how do I recommend learning fretwork? You know, um, there's a couple methods. Obviously, there's instructional methods too. But really, what I think is, is I really feel like a lot of guitar players have fear of frets. That seems to be something that I notice a lot. There's this, like, a, you're afraid of messing them up. And some of the best things to do is to find yourself an inexpensive acoustic uh, electric guitar, something that's maybe even salvage, right? At first, don't worry about if you can play or not. You know, sometimes that's the magic. Try, so I think you can learn a lot more from taking a guitar that's unplayable to making it playable. The guitar already plays well and then kind of messing with it. So first step is getting the sense of taking the frets out installing new frets and shaping them. And I feel like the best way to do that nowadays is just to find these, you know, Craigslist finds, you know, garage sale finds go out there. There's tons of them. And it's not, it's not hard at all to find a guitar for 20, 30 bucks anymore. Just some kind of B stock junk damage and fix it up, right? Turn it into something. I think the best way to learn something like that is to in a repair sense. So there's a lot of luthery classes that I also recommend too. A lot of places have them where you learn to build a guitar. And I think that's a very viable uh, experience. And I think people should look at that. But I think economically, uh, it's more more reasonable for a lot more people if you just take yourself uh, a really inexpensive guitar and done it, do it. One of the things I can tell you, if you're really freaked out about it, one of the cool things is you can get yourself uh, all kinds of Squire and Squire type Strat guitars. And uh, 
you can buy fret wire from Fender that's already pre-clipped and shaped. So you don't have to worry about fret bending. And that's another thing people get a little freaky about is you got to have a, a, you know, a way to bend the fret wire. If you don't have a bending tool, it gets a little tricky. So the fact that they've already bent it to nine and a half inch radius, and you can do that already, um, makes it pretty easy. So, So that's a that's a suggestion. That's where I would really suggest first. Um, one of the things I don't like about a lot of the kits is the kits usually come with the frets already installed. Because of that reason, a lot of people freaked out about frets. But you got to get over. I tell everybody, you got to get over frets, uh, being afraid of frets, because they tend to be where most guitars need to work. So, and they also where so you know a lot of manufacturers get to get high dollar because they know how to finish fret work. In other words. Sometimes when you pick up a guitar that's a thousand or two thousand dollar guitar versus a five hundred dollar guitar, and you go, "Wow, this really plays amazing." A lot of that has to do with just how great the fret work is. So, so there you go. Uh, I would I would definitely spend some time learning frets, and and the best way to do that is inexpensive guitars. So something like that as well. Um, Sergeant Power Wiener said, "Greeting from Yuma." I was just through Yuma, man. It is hot in Yuma. <laughs> so yeah, you have to go. I went to San Diego and uh, you got to go through Yuma both ways. So there and back and pretty warm there. Brian Stewart says, can you get me a deal on CE? Yeah, Brian. Um, there's a lot of great stores that I'd recommend uh, throughout the country. I can tell you right now, somebody was mentioning Chuck Levins in Maryland. I'd recommend them. Keep it in mind that a lot of dealers are not going to, they're going to list the price like everybody online is the same. I believe that if you were to call that store or I can name a couple others if that doesn't work out for you, but but I would recommend that store. Um, go ahead and give them a call. Let them know what CE you're looking for and let them know, you know that you're looking for a good price and I would bet they'll take care of you. So where you're not going to find a deal on a PRS or CE is just clicking a button online. You're going to have to talk to somebody. So as, as modern as the world has gotten, uh, it is still the best way to get a deal or take care of somebody is 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 communication. Nathan Sonia says uh, you can do a live stream from the stage in my apartment if you want. Oh, cool! Yeah, because that's my issue is upload speeds. Believe it or not, I actually contemplated doing one in San Diego when I was there on Friday. I did a test run, and the upload speed was so bad that it was just it just sounded it looked like I was probably going to just go online with you guys. 10 minutes of cut it, cut and chop mess. <laughs> I just didn't think of a, I'd put everyone through that. So you guys got a lot of great questions today. Okay. Oh, uh, V music channel page says, how did you start your guitar brand? When I started, Oh, I was basses. And I always re remind people it was basses. I did some guitars but I mean, very few guitars. A lot of people, in fact, uh, a lot of people say, oh, I have one of your guitars. You do. Um, what ended up happening was I started my guitar brand or my bass brand around the time my daughter was born. So I made a guitar in mind for my daughter. I had this envisions as all fathers do. It'll be small. It'll be perfect for her. So I made this guitar um, that is a smaller bass, less Paul style guitar. And I made uh, one for her. I made one for my son as well. But my son, I made him one. So he's, he only made one. My daughter, uh, I decided to make her some mass produce instead of making them by hand. And the mass produce one, I think we made, I want to say a hundred 
That sounds right. It could be 50, could be 200. I can't remember, guys. But they're out there. But mostly what you see of, of what I made was bases. And how I started was like everyone started. I started making a couple bases. And then through that idea, um, I wanted to make a base at a certain price point a certain way. So I, I found a manufacturer overseas and I had them copy my design and I had them manufacture the instrument. Now, this is a much different time, so you know, than now. Uh, this uh, was like 2003. And although that doesn't sound much different than now, <laughs> It was because you didn't really like email them stuff and send them pictures. You had to, I had to like wire them money and then send them a physical prototype. And then they had to send me a physical uh, prototype back, you know, their prototype of what is going to be manufactured. It's a very long process uh, to do it. And um, I, I get asked sometimes, would I ever do it again? And the answer is absolutely not. I will never do it that again. Not because it wasn't bad. I had a great time. Uh, we were actually very lucrative too. Um, and that's, but that's where we get the money to build the store. You know what I mean? That's what, what bought the store was, I was like, okay, let's take this, this Avenue and put it into a shop. Uh, but I've done it and I really don't, I really don't think the market for bases are there anymore. When I was doing that, think about it in 2003, this is probably boring talk for guitar players, but in 2003, Victor Wooten was huge. Bass was huge at the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so there was a lot of market for bass and a lot of bass companies were killing at that time. So having a unique, you know, different bass at that time was a good market. Now, I don't know if that market's the same. And even if it is, I don't want to put the effort back into doing it. So uh, Cheddar just said, hey, see you Friday. See you Friday, Cheddar. Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see you, man. I'm excited to see everybody. Uh, Nathan, as you saw, just commented earlier, Nathan is going to be there. He works there, so I'm sure he's going to be there. Uh, and... I'm excited to see everybody. This was the, the PRS event is a, uh, you know, it's not like the uh, GitCon where they, they kind of paid for me to go. Uh, I'm, I decided to, to, to kind of go to PRS event. So I'm not really working the event. I wouldn't say I'm just there, but I'm going to do some videos, of course. And, uh, excuse me guys, but it is, it is hot here. So. I have to drink. So that's eh, not bad. It's like 106. Oh, wow. Tony Noon says, hey, just sharpened my fourth axe. Thanks for inspiring me. Man, that's awesome, Tony. Um, I love hearing that. I love hearing you guys when you're like, hey, I got into, I love the idea that you people are more interested in, in kind of working with their instruments than maybe buying another instrument. I mean, a new guitar is fun. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes, man, fixing up your current guitar and making it your own is, is invaluable. Okay, what else do we got going on? All right. Um, oh, yeah, here's a good question. Uh, BC Rich 581 says, Phil, what do you think of graphite neck bases like modulus and status? Uh, well, I owned a custom, I owned a couple modulus, but I had a custom made graphite modulus base um, that I loved. And I had that one because I had a bunch of Zons. If you know what status or modulus is, you have Zons. Uh, I even had a custom one from Joe Zon. I got it at the show one year from him. Um, I love them. The, this weird thing about, this is going to sound so strange, but it's just how it works. I, I, I've owned about five or six graphite-necked instruments. And um, I always got a bruise right here on my hand, right there, right in there. And I don't know what ever caused it. It only happened on graphite instruments, but it would get tender and actually, I actually would get a bruise right in this space. 
And I was convinced it was from the neck just kind of like hitting that part of my hand when I was playing. Um, and after a while, it would make that tender because obviously, but I, I thought it was in my head for a while. But then one night I was like looking and you could see a discolorment, you know, where it was an actual bruise right there. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's that base. I got rid of it, got another one, another one. It just never seemed to, to, it just seemed to be the way I played. It just didn't work for that type of instrument. But I love graphite necked instruments. I love them. If it wasn't for that, and I really did try to make it work, uh, probably shove more money in time than I ever probably should have. So, so there you go. Oh, Bruce uh, had a super chat question. It says tool lists for home guitar upgrades and repair. That's a great idea. Uh, I'll index that. In fact, that'll be a great something to add to the web page. Uh, what a great suggestion. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of like a basic toolkit and then something else. I think it's a good idea. And what I can do is probably give some suggestions on maybe what stool Mac tools to get and then what non stool Mac tool tools to get. So uh, Damon says, hey, Phil, thoughts on the JHS Bonsai pedal? I haven't tried it. Saw the review from uh, from Anderton's. I thought that was great. The idea that it's like all the Tube Screamer pedals is really good. I, I could be honest, it's probably not going to be a pedal for me, although I, I definitely, definitely understand the appeal having all of them. My my personal experiences lead me to believe that I'll probably get the pedal, select one position on it, and stay there all the time. So I'm not, I've never really like, I don't know, I'm never really going, okay, now I'm going to use the Maxon. Now I'm going to use the, the, the TS9. Now I'm going to use the 808. Uh, to me, uh, they're they're all slightly different and i can hear them so it's kind of cool but i would really uh <laughs> really just stick a tube screamer in front of an amp but i could really don't mind which tube screamer it is so um <laughs> six in line said i knew when the show was starting i didn't get myself a coffee yeah i got actually ice cold tea in here i know it's a coffee mug but it's ice cold tea because um, it's just too hot to drink coffee. Stephen Stephen Gross, sa sorry Stephen Goss says looking for a pedal platform amp head around five hundred bucks. Well, that's an easy that's an easy thing because there's a lot of them out there. And to me, pedal platform just means that it's it's not gonna take pedals, you know, and change the way they sound dramatically. So uh, I like the tweaker. I, you didn't say what wattage. So I'm just assuming a mid-size amplifier head. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many amp heads, so many amps that will take it. Uh, pedal well. Um, in the low wattage, you got the 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 Super Champ X2. You got the uh, Tweaker. You got, uh, I like the Jet City Clean on that. Um, I, in fact, all the Ignators will sound great uh, as a pedal platform amp head. Uh, if price is no limit, that um, whatever's behind me. Hold on, I can't see. I'm looking at one screen. Whatever. This behind me here, this PRS uh, Custom 50 and the cu Custom 20 are absolutely fantastic for pedal platform hams. So, so is the Archon. Um, I haven't tried the Tremonti. Oh, but you said $500. Yeah, yeah. So those are going to be out of that range. Uh, $500. The Tremonti's too high. Definitely $500. You got the Super Chan X2. You got the Tweaker. You got the uh, Rebel and uh, uh, the Ignator series. You have the Jet Cities will work. You have, I actually like, uh, for a pedal platform, I like the Marshall, um, the DSL series. That's a good pedal platform, like the 20 water and maybe the old 50, 15 water as well. Mm, I bet you, I, I don't know. I bet you, um, 
I haven't tried the new Marshalls to see how they sound with pedals. Uh, the Origin series, haven't tried it. It's you're probably not going to find a Supersonic 22 for $500 head, but if you could, that would definitely be a fantastic amplifier. I have one behind me, the combo, but usually a head is going to fetch six to seven used. That's going to be tough. Um, some of the old PV heads are really great in the $500 range. When you, you guys got suggestions too, sometimes you guys will kind of pitch in a couple of are like, oh yeah, those are great. Um, tweaker 40 head. Yep. I said that one. Yeah. Somebody said one for 369. I really like that amp. It's a really good amp. And then just a side question. Uh, Jeremy C says, Hey, Phil, is there a big difference between the super champ XD and the X2? Um, they are voiced differently on the, uh, the selectable features. The major difference of course, is the X2 has a USB, uh, feature. That lets you, you know, access to the uh, software. The XD does not. Some people think the XD sounds better. I, my experience with them is that the X2 can be, if, if you do like some of the presets on the XD better than the X2, the newer one, you can edit the X2 to have the presets sound like the XD. So I'm going to say for the lack of a better term, they're not. So if you find it, if you used XD and you're not, and you don't feel like you need that software interaction, you're fine. But if you think that's something you want to use, then you definitely want to get the X2. But sound-wise, I don't think there's something that's going to be huge. Uh, Marshall Code Series, someone says that's that would be good. PV Windsor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can find those definitely for less than 500 bucks. Okay. Uh, Lonnie says, if price wasn't an issue, I'd have a PRS hollow body too, a wood library one. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I almost bought a PRS hollow body too, um, last week. Um, uh, actually the last almost two weeks and, uh, a friend of mine has one. He wants to sell it. The price is reasonable for what it is. When I say reasonable, I mean, really crazy expensive, but way less expensive than I just couldn't pull the trigger. Just couldn't do it. Thought about it. Thought about it. Can't do it. Want one. They're great guitars, but so crazy. I think my main main issue is as much as I want a hollow body too, I have an S2 semi hollow and I, I like it a lot. And I don't know about you guys, but I have this experience all the time. It's like when I find a guitar that I like a lot and it's like, you know, whatever, $500 or $1,000. In this case, it was like $1,000. And then I find a guitar that's two or $3,000 and I go, well, this is really good, but I can't figure out why it's that much better than the guitar I already like for a thousand bucks. I just can't spend the money. I just can't do it. There's just, you know, I got to really, really want it. I got to want it way more than the thing that costs less. And I find myself a lot of times liking as much as the thing that costs less. And that is probably where I'll get in trouble right now, but I'll say it. Sir guitars. I love them. I play every time I play them. I go, these are great. My problem is I like my American standard strats, thousand bucks, 800 bucks used all day long and uh, love them. Happy with them. Play the Sir. Yeah, it's a little better. I don't know if it's too grand. I mean, sure, it's worth it if you want it. But if you're happy with something that costs less than half, and that's really what it comes down to. It's not that the, the one's as good as the other or not. It's just I'm happy with the thing that costs sufficiently a lot less. So I'm, I, feel, I feel like I should just, you know, keep my money in my pocket and enjoy the thing I like that's less money. Uh, 
Okay, Marco sent a, uh, okay, super chat. Thanks, Marco. It says, hey, I've recently become disabled and I am running into a balance issue when using guitar pedals. Any suggestions to make my playing more enjoyable? So I don't understand what you mean by balance. Oh, because, okay, because you have a, there's an issue where you can't, you're, you're sta standing on the pedals is a problem. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know what would cause, I don't know what would help that. I mean, besides maybe a more digital interface system, right? Where there's presets, you don't have to worry about stomping on 10 things at a different time. You know what I mean? So maybe, maybe it's a better idea to use something that is more of a one-stop shop kind of pedal platform. So like a Helix or uh, maybe an M13. I really like that pedal. I would recommend something like that where you can do multiple banks, click one button and do many things if that helps. Um, but as forth as a device where you could use your hands over your feet for that kind of stuff. Um, the only thing you do is rack milk gear where you can reach over and touch it and turn it and stuff. Something like that might work as well. If you're looking at rack gear, some one I would suggest for good money is the um, 11 rack. Something I would definitely look into that, Marco. That's something that's pretty cool. And I think you could get a lot of use out of it without worrying about foot controlling so much. So, so something like that. Um, and other than that, the only last thing I can think of is amplitude or anything that you can interface with an iPad or some kind of technology like that. Again, uh, let your hands use more of that stuff. Although if your issue is you need to select presets while playing, that's going to be tough. My experience, though, is very rarely do I need to change presets in the middle of playing. In my personal thing, I mean, everybody's got different reasoning, but I, I'm never really playing and I, okay, I need to go to distorted and delayed right now. Like, I mean, that's maybe for a solo or something like that, but a lot of times I, you make those selections before the song starts. So even though every once in a while you will need to set a selection or select something while in, in the middle of playing, I think most of the decisions happen before the song starts. So maybe a rack piece of gear or an amplitude uh, kind of setup with an iPad is something to check into. Uh, Michael says, what are your thoughts on vintage guitars like the 63 Custom Shop over the real deal versus new guitars? So on my thought on vintage guitars like the 63 Custom Shop. So you mean vintage guitar reissues? Because I'm thinking 63 Custom Shop is the vintage guitar reissue. But so I like, it's a preference. I like the newer. So we're going to, you were talking about strats. I'll keep it strats because it's easy. I like newer strats over older strats. I think people really get upset with that. I like new strats and uh, actually just period. <laughs> I like everything about new strats. I like flatter radius fretboards. So I like seven and a half over the, you know, seven and, and a quarter. I like, um, I like, uh, you know, I like 12 inch radius fretboards too. I like the modern tremolo system, the two point over the six screw system. I even like newer pickups over older pickups, which again, uh, there's a lot of things to like about new pickups. I don't understand. I mean, yeah, older pickups have a good tone and there's a reason for wanting them. Uh, I don't know if I hear old tone. <laughs> you know, when people talk about like tone wood debates, uh, which we're not going to talk about, but because it's not the subject. The subject, though, to me is like, can you hear an old Strat over a new Strat? That's a question I, I just don't know if I can answer. To me, sometimes, like, I've, and someone says, yeah, but I've picked up an old Strat and it sounded fantastic. Well, I've also picked up an old Strat that, that sounded like crap. 
I mean, it's happened. I picked them guitar. I picked up a lot of old guitars that just did not sound good. Definitely as many as new guitars per capita of what you know when you're you're playing them. And I've heard some older guitars that sound amazing. So to me, I think vintage guitars have a look. That's what I think everything's about. It's like, do you want? I can't see behind me. Hold on. Do you want this uh, fancy fluorescent? 80s rocker guitar do you want something like a little you know kind of wood and this is a this is a what do you call it reclaimed wood this is a vibe right this is like you know fun and surfy this surf green color i don't know what i'm doing there you know what i mean these to me are just different aesthetics when i look up old strats old les pauls they're more aesthetic to me than than viable and i usually get people enraged you get other guitar players right now they're probably clicking the, the keyboard oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about old guitars are fantastic they're i'm not saying they're not i'm just saying in my experience they're not there's nothing that i haven't been able to find in a new guitar a lot of times that i'm not happy with so especially kind of like earlier when we we're talking about the cost issue i think that's also what has to factor in too i'll pick up a guitar for a thousand bucks that seems to be a good price to talk about today thousand dollar strat and i go man, this feels good. It sounds good. I'm happy. And then I pick up a, an $18,000 vintage guitar and there's nothing in my head that says, man, if I win the lottery, I'm getting this over that because I'm missing out. <laughs> it's just, I don't feel like I'm missing out. I feel like, wow, this is a cool piece of history. It would be fun to own it. I think a lot of times vintage guitars are vintage because they're collector's items. I collect pedals. That's how I look at pedals. It's just something to do with your time and money. Uh, you know, there's worse things to do with both your time and money. So collecting something is not the worst idea ever. And uh, so that's my thoughts on that. I do like them though. So that's none of that. I, please, uh, please don't misunderstand anything I'm saying. Like, I think it's, you know, it's not real or anything. No, I think vintage guitars have, there's some, there's some things that happen when you kind of patina, you know what I mean? Age an instrument, but I think it's more in the aesthetics than it is in the sound. So, and on a side note, when you read a lot of the history books that are out there, there seems to be some inconsistencies with the stories. Uh, when a lot of people talk about how great they made stuff, when you read a lot of the books, there's a lot of talk about how they did stuff really badly until they figured out to stop doing it that way. So, um, so when you read sometimes you're like, somebody's like, oh, they really knew how, what they were doing back then. And then you, you kind of go through the manufacturer's history and you're like, there's definitely some dodgy times for a lot of factories. So like I said, I think there's good and good and bad with them. Although I do love having a unique guitar. So like I said, when somebody buys a vintage guitar and says, look at this, uh, work of art, I agree with everything they're saying about the aesthetics. It looks cool. It's amazing. I just don't know if I hear so much the sound that they're talking about, but I definitely do get the vibe right away. It's a cool vibe. Uh, I can't say it. I'm going to say Sejin uh, did a super chat, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. In fact, I, this is a good time to... Sometimes when you guys do the super chats, I have a cue for them now so that we can um, not lose them. So you don't worry about it. If I, I, won't, I won't miss any. We won't end the show before answering all of them. But... We can, that way we can address all the other ones, the questions that are coming in as well. Uh, Gabriel wants to know, what's my thoughts on the Steinberger guitars, like the old ones? Um, they're really cool, very expensive, the Steinbergers. I've owned a couple of the, you know, kind of inexpensive Steinbergers. I've never owned one of the real deal nice ones. I have played many, though, and they were fantastic. Uh, and I know they're kind of back in swing again a little bit. But uh, fantastic guitars. Uh, I've always kind of secretly wanted either a Steinberger bass or a Phil Kubicki bass. 
those are kind of the ones. And if you don't know what a Phil Kubicki is, uh, if I'm even saying his name right, uh, it's kind of like a Steinberger vibe thing. Um, very cool, very cool. You know what I loved about Steinberger was my very first Steinberger that I ever picked up, I'll never forget it as long as I live because it was within a week of the first time somebody told me that having a bigger headstock <laughs> meant more sustain. I remember that. They were like, man, bigger headstocks, more mass. And they were talking about those fender fat fingers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those brass clamps that do clamp on the headstock and it gives more weight to the headstock. And they're like, more, more weight, more sustain. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're talking about. And then about a week later, I moseyed into a music store and there was a Steinberger. It looked like a paddle that you paddled a canoe with. And I remember plugging the amp and it sounded amazing. It just sounded so good. And I was like, this, <laughs> I don't know what this is. This is the exact opposite of what, what somebody just told me. Um, and uh, I think that's my first, that was very young. I was in my teens. That was definitely teen years. And uh, I remember thinking, this is the first thing that made me realize maybe there's more to things than just, you know, theories. Maybe, you know, you got to touch more guitars to kind of figure it out. So um, Steinbergers have definitely been the instruments that always made me rethink that when people say this is the only, there's only one good way to make a good sounding guitar. And then here's Steinberger going, ah, make a thing that looks like a paddle <laughs> and it'll sound fantastic. Um, and a lot of you guys will, you guys know, if you guys are playing Steinbergers, they are, they are way they're very fantastic. They're way more impressive than they've ever looked. So, oh, okay. Uh, so he said, okay, so, uh, I'm saying you're wrong. Name Sujen said you did, you did your question, but it didn't display it. Just do it again, man. I'll, I'll catch it. I think I just found it. Hold on. I wanted to ask about SWR base company. What happened to them? Oh yeah. So, uh, SWR base, uh, base amps. If you guys remember them, the company SWR stands for, saying it too fast. SWR stands for Stephen W. Raby. And uh, they were amazing bass amps. They were made in, I think, Los Angeles, California, but if not, definitely California. And they were purchased, I want to say in 2002, some of these numbers sound right, I hope, uh, by Fender. And um, if not 2002, somewhere shortly after that, uh, Fender bought um, uh, SWR. And uh, they went with it for a while and then they kiboshed the brand. They have now officially shelved the brand. So SWR is currently owned by FMIC, which is the Fender Musical Instrument Company and or corporation. And they're currently not using the, the, uh, the brand. And at one point, uh, again, off memory, 2012, maybe somewhere on there, they owned uh, uh, Jens Gens, which was Jeff Gensler's company here in Scottsdale, Arizona and SWR. And they were going to merge the two brands, but they were going to kind of co-mingle them. In other words, use the same uh, marketing manager to market both brands. And it looked very exciting. And and then next thing you knew, they shelved SWR and they sold the Jens Gens to, I believe KMC owns it now. And then Gensler, Jeff Gensler, started a company called Gensler. So there's Gensler Base Amps, which are the old Jens Gens type products. And uh, he's back in business. Uh, and um, and then there's Jens Gens, which is now owned by, um, KMC, which I said, and then SWR is just, and as far as I understand that Fender's got no plans to bring SWR back. It'll sit in the graveyard, uh, along with, uh, Diarmond and, uh, what else they have? They have Diarmond. They have a couple brands. There's a couple brands that Fender have that just, they said they laid dormant. So Guild, no, no, this will Guild off. So Diarmond is what they shelved. So. That's what happened to the brand. 
And the problem with that stuff is this is a new trend. Uh, funny conversation last week I had about brands like this. There seems to be a lot of brands that are owned by larger companies. And then for some reason, the larger company takes a hiatus. Parker, Hamer, you name it, uh, BC Rich. And in these hiatuses that they're in, uh, I, I think they're learning the hard way that a brand can die in months, not years. In other words, you know, you, you sit on a brand, you don't do anything with it for a year or two. Kramer guitars, think about this stuff. This stuff just disappears. I think they think they're going to bring it back. But what they realize is when they come back at it a year or two later and they start looking at the money that it's going to take to promote this brand, to bring it back to the, to the, to the masses of us, um, you know, it's, it's not much cheaper than starting a new brand from scratch. So, uh, I think, uh, you know, and I think in Fender's case, I think they decided SWR might as well shelve it. A lot of people are like they should sell it, but the problem is if they sell it, they got to compete with it. <laughs> so, and I'm sure they do a cost. This is hearsay, by the way, they, they no one ever told me this. I'm just giving you a theory. Um, I'm sure there's a logic out there that says, okay, if we sell this company for X amount of dollars and then this company creates X amount of product out there to compete with us, we actually lose what we make. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense, right? Um, you know, if you sell a company for a million dollars, but then that company takes, a, let's say, just a million dollars of your business away when it's competing with you, you, you don't come out ahead. You, it needs to, and even if it's a half a million dollars, let's say they sell it for a million, but they get a half a million dollars of market share taken away then they're only getting a half a million dollars for the company. So again, it's, I think a lot of times you're going to just kill brands like that for that reason. So I always, on a side note, I always wonder why they don't, why they don't commingle the brands. In other words, why don't they just take the SWR stuff that we love, like the redhead amp and, um, and the Goliath and stuff and just make them Fender products. You know what I mean? Uh, like Squire by Fender, SWR by, SWR by Fender. Just make a licensed Fender SWR line. I think it'd be interesting to own a Fender bass amp that has the SWR name and mojo attached to it. I don't know. Tell me what you guys think of that. I'm curious to see. Yeah, see somebody, uh, Dennis is saying Hartfield by Fender. Yeah, another brand. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's um, there's one, uh, if you guys want to know, it's funny. There's a Hartfield right now for sale on Reverb. If you guys want to look at it, just type in Hartfield. Uh, and, uh, it's a black one. I think it looks like an Ibanez uh, because it was made in Japan in Fujijin. Uh, it's basically a USA designed. Well, there's both. There was some, so there were some USA made ones and there were some Japanese ones. I think, uh, again, just going off memory. It's kind of a long time to remember. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Basically, Mike's YouTube channel said Chevy did that with Pontiac. Yeah. Um, and Holden. Yeah, of course. Uh, shelving brands is not new. Um, Bell, uh, Bellin says Kramer's still going. Only a few models now, though. Yeah, but but when you say Kramer's still going, I understand what you're saying. But, I mean, is it? <laughs> I mean, I, by that logic, I understand. I totally understand what you're saying, right? I mean, um you know, there's a lot of brands that they make like a few things you go, yeah, it's still around, but I mean, I, it's, I'm definitely not getting the attention it deserves and it's definitely not going to get the attention. I think for a little while, obviously, uh, Gibson's got bigger things to deal with than <laughs> what the Kramer market share is. So 
And uh, and here's my question to you guys, 811 guitar players watching, do you feel Gibson is effectively promoting the Kramer brand? Do you feel like Kramer, if you're a, let me put it this way, I'm not a Kramer person, so I, I've, I don't think I've even owned a Kramer, but what I will tell you is this, if you're a Kramer guitar player out there, if you're a Kramer fanatic, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned uh, before on another live show about Music Yo, right? Maybe you can get Kramers on Music Yo. Um, if you're a Kramer fan, do you feel like you're 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 satisfied with the Kramer inventory, the products that have been presented to you? Not even now, just in the last ten years. So, again, is it making you a customer? Is it making you excited to be a customer? Or you just find yourself you just like Kramers, and they happen to make a couple, so you're hanging in. So, uh, Womb says Kramer got pooped on. <laughs> a lovely original company. The reissues are lame. Yeah, and 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 again, I, that's I'm not I'm not trying to bash on the Kramer guys, and definitely not the Kramer Gibson guys. That's not the whole point. But the point is, is I think personally, I'm gonna I, I like Ibanez. You know, I like Fender, but I like Ibanez. So I'll, I'll relate to Ibanez. If Ibanez got acquired by a large guitar company. And they made three Ibanezes. <laughs> I don't think I'd feel like as an Ibanez fan or an Ibanez, uh, you know, a customer that, wow, Ibanezes, thank goodness. I kind of feel like, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like there's nothing there for me. So I don't know. I'm curious. Um, Brian Stewart says, how do PRS Core and CE Thin Necks compare to SE? I love the SE neck shape. Fits my hand like a glove. Number two, ever put active pickups in an axe made for passive? So easy question. So the first thing, Brian, you have to know is the SE uh, models, the, the import models, have two kinds of necks. So if you have a custom 24, you have a very thin neck. It's a wide thin, but it's super thin. Way thinner, uh, way thinner in diameter. So it's a little, little way smaller, you know, when you wrap your hand around it, than the core uh, and the CE thin necks. So... If you look, I will tell you this, um, the SE neck, I think is one of my favorite necks cause it's kind of small and fast. Um, but it's different, definitely different than the wide thin or the pattern thin, which is the core guitars or the CE, which is the pattern thin or the old CE, uh, wide thin. I know that's a lot of stuff to say. All you have to know is this, the CEs are smaller. Now, if you have a sing CE single cut, like a, a SE245 or guitars like that, you might have the wide fat, that neck, I think in my personal opinion, without measuring them feels the same as this as the core. So uh, that's my uh, take on that. So like I said, you have an SE. It looks like I saw earlier, you got a new guitar. Good, great for having a new guitar day, right? Cool. Um, SE. So yeah, your neck is fast and it's going to be faster and thinner than I think than the American versions in my personal opinion. Uh, ever put pickups in a, uh, active pickups in a passive act? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Many, many, many times. Les Pauls, you name it. Um, Ibanez Sabres, I can tell you the worst ones. The Ibanez Sabre was a little fun, uh, especially when somebody says, put actives in my Ibanez Sabre, but don't router uh, a route for a battery cavity. So you have to figure out how to get a battery to fit in that stuff, uh, which is easy. Uh, it, it's, it's fun. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It can be totally done. And, uh, I'm assuming, I don't know for sure. I'm assuming that you may be thinking about your SE because you mentioned your SE, uh, putting active pickups in your SE would be very easy. That cavity has more than enough room for the battery. You have no issue at all. When dealing with passive to active, um, the only issue is where the battery goes. Most guitars, uh, cavity will accommodate the battery. You don't have to worry about that. 
in small cases where it can't, you have to use be a little inventive and stick it in the tremolo cavity in between two springs. You got to run like four springs to one and then fit the battery in the middle. But if that fails, then you definitely have to router for in a battery compartment. And the only negative about that is once you put that battery compartment in there, uh, your guitar is now an active guitar. You, otherwise, you're going to be one of those guitars where if you switch it back, you, everybody's going to know you had actives at one point or, you know, <laughs> you get the idea. All right. So there you go. Although, you know, one thing on a side note, uh, LTD does this, I think, ESP. They'll use the old cigarette ashtrays, you know, the gold cigarette car ashtrays, those aluminum ones or metal ones for battery compartments. So if you need to put a battery compartment, I really love the look at that. I think it's just nostalgic. Makes me think of my grandpa's car. My grandpa had a caddy and uh, it had a cigarette ashtray ashtray for every passenger of the car you know passenger the we were passengers plus a cigarette lighter because it was a caddy you know it was, <laughs> this is 1985 caddy cadillac uh, eldorado brits with uh vogue tires it's the big deal and for those of you guys want to think back to 85 now here's something for anybody younger uh that <laughs> that won't, won't know what i'm talking about and anybody a little older you'll you'll laugh uh probably uh his had the cool hood ornament that um had to be hooked to his car horn. Do you guys remember that? When the hood ornaments had to be hooked to the horn. So if you pulled on the horn or put a, pulled on the ornament, the horn would go off, you know, uh, because all the kids were pulling the ornaments on Mercedes and Cadillacs and cutting them to wear them around their necks. Uh, if you guys, us guitar players, definitely remember when all the rappers were doing that, uh, ripping off all the hood ornaments and hanging around their necks. So uh, I used to love walking up to my grandfather's caddy and pushing on the ornament because it would... Uh, it would blow that giant truck horn that, that car had. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yep. Um, okay. And so, uh, and, uh, funny enough, tweet Cadillac said Vogue tires. OG for show. Yeah. Uh, Vogue tires We're getting sidetracked, but we'll make up the time. Uh, Vogue tires. You guys don't know. They were, they had white walls and the gold stripe. They were, that's the big deal, right? You know, if you had the caddy back then, you, that was, that was the big deal. So, all right, let's uh, hop around and grab some questions that we missed. Um, Tommy says, Hey, Phil, what's your thoughts on the Gibson made two measure program? Would you consider to build one or not? Um, I have no idea what that program is. Uh, Louis, uh, the Tone King, say his name i promise the tone king uh told me that gibson reached out to him and asked him if he was interested in it gibson never said anything to me so i don't know anything about it and then in mid conversation with the tone king we never got into what it was so i have no information about it so i'm sure you guys know what it is uh i'm assuming gibson made to measure program i don't know is that a custom shop but a, like a maybe a lighter custom shop i don't know i don't know what it is uh so what's my thoughts on it don't know haven't haven't heard so okay okay uh code d whatever w2 freak nl man some of you guys okay uh here it says hey phil i heard from uh somebody may mercer that fender is going to stop selling fender next separately do you know if this is confirmed um, I haven't heard that, but I can tell you this. I have been told by Fender, a representative at Fender, 
many times in the last two years that they were going to stop. In fact, I've been told a couple times that they, they did stop and then you keep seeing them for sale. So I, yeah. So, uh, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it, it is something that internally at Fender, they must keep talking about because like I said, the person I know that works at Fender, that's, that's a representative of Fender told me they were going to stop. Um, they, they're, 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 they mentioned that Fender has not effectively sold a number of, of these necks that makes it worthwhile. So, uh, and my reaction to that was, well, that's because they don't offer a lot of necks that aren't, that aren't, that are different than what already comes on your guitars. You know, maybe an ebony fretboard neck, although they might have that now, right? I don't know if they do that now, but because they have it on the, um, the American elite. So maybe that elite is probably neck is available. So, um, so as rumors go, it's a rumor, I'm sure, but, uh, but it has, I know this, it's something that Fender has been actively talking about stopping for a while. So it doesn't seem out of place for me. Okay, let's do this. Let's re like a guy said, if you do a super chat, don't worry. I pen them. I'm just checking them right now so I can get to other people's questions as well. Trying to find some interesting questions and give everybody a chance. Uh, Gary says the tone King just bought a beast rich. <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> I don't know how many he's got, but he's got a lot of beast riches. Uh, he hasn't done his beast rich video yet. I don't think would really consider consider. I really consider what am I talking about? I'm really, uh, I want to say consider it, but that doesn't make any sense. I'm really excited when he's going to do that. I've been waiting for it. So, uh, Ron Dunn again says, Warmoth makes certified necks. Yeah, of course, a lot of people make certified. Well, they're not certified. They're licensed necks. So, is I believe the terminology. Now, I could be wrong. Again, you know, sometimes the internet likes to beat you up. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to their website, but... Uh, my understanding is they're probably licensed necks. So when you see LS LIC Fender, like on a Warmoth neck or a Mighty Might neck, all that means is that royalties were paid uh, to Fender for having the shape of the headstock. That's the only thing that they can't they can't copy. So when you see a Warmoth neck and it says uh, this is a licensed Fender neck, that's not Fender saying you know thumbing up the quality, going they make quality. Um, it's no different than it is absolutely no different than, than this Fender t-shirt. If it was made by Dillard's or some store and it says this is a licensed Fender product. In other words, they paid Fender, uh, for license permission to use the logo, uh, and they paid the royalty like they're supposed to. Fender uses a licensing agreement with a lot of people to, to deal with the fact that they don't have to then chase everybody down and sue them for copying their stuff. So they can say, Hey, look, yeah, yeah. As long as you pay us a royalty for using our headstock, go ahead. Um, and, um, so that's what that usually means. It just means that, and that's where it gets a little confusing, right? Cause there's sometimes you're like, oh, it's a, you know, you just don't want to think that, yeah, Fender says this next good enough that they, they put, they stand behind it. No, Fender just says, pay us a royalty for the headstock shape and you're good to go. And they do. And then that's when they can put license by Fender. And so therefore Fender sees that neck and they see that they go, they see the license by Fender mark. They can go, okay. And they can check their records and go, yeah, yeah, they did pay us a royalty uh, for these, uh, these products. And therefore they are, they are okay. So there you go. What I don't think happens is funny is Fender doesn't license the logo to companies. So just the headstock shape. Uh, Stu Ballot says, Hey, Phil, is it crazy to be thinking of buying a Marshall for the clean tones? 
have Fender, Bandmaster, Rivera, Bugera, Bugera. I don't know why you guys, I, somebody beat me up last week for saying Bugera. <laughs> I have no idea how this stuff said. You, you gotta understand before you guys had YouTube, I just had my friends and my friends would call it that. And that's what I thought it was called. So I guess it's Bugera. So, uh, my ear is looking for a new clean tone. Play less Paul's and Telly's thoughts. I love Marshall's for cleans. Absolutely. I like them. Plexi style amps, Marshall's, the blues breaker. I think Marshall's got a great tone. Uh, the JVM has a great clean tone. I think the JCM under 800, the JCM 2000 is a fantastic clean tone. So I don't think it's crazy to think Marshall for clean tones. No, I think it's good. I've had good luck with them in the past. Uh, and, and, you know, especially since it took me forever to figure out that I'm more of a Marshall clean person than a Fender clean person. So what I mean by that is a Marshall clean to me has more mids. And when I hit notes, they kind of stand out. And I kind of like that. Now, they're a little bit more delicate because if you hit the, the, the if you strum hard, Marshalls, you, they tend to have a break, uh, not distortion, but just a little crackle at the end of the note, uh, which I actually like. But a lot of people may not like that. You get the Fender chimey kind of clean sound. That's great. But what I've noticed with Fender is, is that it's definitely more in the highs and low register. So the mids are not so much scooped, but they're not really present there. A lot of Fender amps don't even have a mid-range control. So um, yeah, I actually prefer the Marshall clean over the Fender clean in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? There's just something about that that I like. Adam says, hey, Phil, sent an email through the website with more details, but long question short. Should I trade in my Vox VT40X for a Boss Katana 50 and why? Oh, that's a great question. Mm, okay, so I like the Vox VT40. Uh, it's a good amp. I don't know if you move to the Boss that I could say, wow, it'll blow that Vox away. Um, and this is that question. So I'm going to give you two answers, Adam, but I promise they'll make sense. I don't know if me personally, if I had the VT40, I would sell it to get the Boss Katana. However, if I was standing in the store and I was looking at the VT40X and the Boss Katana, me personally, I would buy the Boss Katana because I like the I like the feature set. I like the way it works. I like the way it sounds. And I like that amp more than the Vox. So that's my preference of the two. But uh, already having one, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to significantly be happy. So, so the answer to your question with this is this, if you are not happy with the VT40, if you're not happy, you're not feeling the vibe, I think maybe looking at the Boss Katana, you might be a little happier. However, if you're happy with the VT40 and you think the Boss is going to, you know, just might as well get something that you think is perceivably more, you know, better, I don't know if you're going to get that from it. So there you go. That's my answer on that. And uh, any of you guys who own either one of those amps, I would love it when you chime in on stuff like this. Mikey Newman says, "Hey Phil, what's the next guitar you purchase? Are you what purchase are you considering? Uh, a Strat. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, I, I'm looking at getting another Strat. Uh, I've been looking for a few weeks. That's I don't know why. It's really not a new purchase. It's a trade out. I'm thinking about getting rid of two of my Strats and getting a new Strat. Um, just seems to make sense to me." Sometimes, uh, sometimes when I'm not using strats, I have that red one, which I, you guys remember I did a video on with the solid rosewood neck and I have a sunburst one with a solid maple neck and I don't play those two ever. 
so I have, a, I, I think uh, my logic was a variety of strats. I have the rosewood neck strat. I have a maple neck strat. I have my rosewood and maple, you know, rosewood fretboard and maple neck strats, you know, you see behind you. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll have all these and be happy. But what I've learned is I just kind of like maple with rosewood fretboard strats. So I was thinking about just getting one more and getting rid of those two guitars that I'm not using. Um, but I'm not in a hurry to do that. Uh, Paul says, what happened to the GNL search? You know, uh, I think his name's Ron at GNL has mentioned many times that, you know, I can go to the factory and try them. Uh, you know, I mentioned a couple times they could send me one and I would review it and that would help me kind of, you know, kind of buy into the brand a little bit, you know, understand what's going on with it. Um, and so, so that's the thing. Uh, it, it that's what's kind of postponed it off. Uh, I, I was able to try a couple at the NAMM show, but there's no reason to do a video at the NAMM show. It's just loud and horrible. Um, so same thing with the going to the GNLs. I don't think GNL understands this. I think they think that if I go to the factory and I try a couple GNLs and I make a video, it'll be interesting. I think going to the factory will be an interesting video, but demoing the product there is not the same as when I have it for a week or two or some time to get intimate with it to, to be able to tell you. Because here's the thing with this. I, I think I, I might as well say it this way makes sense. I'm a Fender guy. That's, I think, what the GNL people don't understand. I like Fender. I will pick a Fender over GNL a thousand times over. I'm not even going to consider a GNL to my Fenders. But I'm open-minded enough to think that if there was an opportunity to play GNLs, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a guitar GNL is better. Maybe it's less money. Maybe there's a lot of things about it that I like as much as the Fender. But what the GNL guys don't seem to understand is um, I'm already in the Fender camp. I'm just willing to try their product. Um, and they don't seem to have a budget or have a way to send me a guitar. You know, I mean, to borrow <laughs> and play and then send back. Um, and sadly, Fender does. And what's worse about Fender is I don't even need Fender to do with you know, send me a loaner because I have so many fenders. Um, so that's the main thing with the GNL. That's what always is going to hold back the GNL thing. Uh, is that uh, I'm I'm willing to try GNLs. There's no GNL dealers. I mean, there's not even a GNL dealer within five hour drive from where I'm at. So there's just nowhere to try these guitars in any way capacity other than hold it, play it for a few minutes, and go. Okay, well, based on the last five minutes, I don't think I like as much my Fender, <laughs> and that's where I, you know. Again, I don't you know. That, that's my problem with GNL. Um, I've worked on GNLs in the past and I've always been impressed with them. But again, you know, when you're working on a guitar, you don't sit on, sit there and play for hours on somebody else's guitar. You, you get a sense of it. You do the setup, you get the feel for it. You play it, you plug into an amp, usually a small practice amp and you go, yeah, it sounds pretty good. feels pretty good. goes on its way. So the GNL thing, I don't think is going to, going to change for a while. That's what happened with Heritage too. You know, I got one guitar, played it, Again, I have Gibsons. There's availability of Gibsons. Um, and for some reason, GNL and Heritage guitars are, uh, I put them in a line of other guitar companies that for, for some reason, they just don't have the budget for YouTubers at this point, which I understand. And uh, I haven't figured out how to interact with them and help them in a way and help my, you know, help me and help you guys figure out stuff. So. That's it. But they did offer, GNL did ask me if I was going to the Summer NAM to check out more GNLs. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to Summer NAM. So, so there you go. All right. Let's do hop back. Okay. Trontosaurus Rex. <laughs> Got any recommendations from some solid P90 pickups for a modern uh, Fender Modern Player Jaguar? 
Uh, P90s. Um, you know, that's where I'm kind of deficient on P90s. I know, I, I mean, I'm probably, I'm aware of the Seymour Duncan ones. Um, who are the ones that are, is it Lawler that makes the really nice ones? I've installed in the past that were kind of expensive. They were nice. I'm, I'm, I'm not versed in P90s. I need to get more versed in P90s uh, in ideas reference of their pro of what they do. Because uh, I like P90s a lot. Almost every guitar, though, that have P90s had stock P90s or Seymour Duncan's in it. Okay. Luke's got a question. It says, good day, Phil. Uh, thoughts on... Thoughts on or have you played many vintage Japanese-made guitars? I have a couple of 79 Greco um, GO2 750 neckthroughs that play amazing. Um, I think the Greco guitars are cool. Uh, <laughs> they've always been really cool. You know what's funny is there's a Greco uh, crazy. Here, I'll share one with you. Hold on a second, guys, because there's a Greco on Reverb right now that is crazy. Like, it's the craziest Greco I've ever seen. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now you guys are probably searching too. What does he mean? Hey. Gotta be here. What's it called? All right. All right, hold on a second as we're holding up the show but when i show you this you know what hold on a second i actually have it saved in my phone because when i saw it the other day it cracked me up it is called the greco gtx you guys can search it too but i'm gonna find it for aha i found it okay ready i'm gonna share this with you okay here we go Screen share. Um, okay, switch. Here we go. Look at that thing. Because look at this headstock. I just got to show this to you. Hold on. <laughs> look at that thing. That crazy? I. It's... <laughs> So this is the Greco GTX uh, for $466 on, here's a, there's the back of it. Let's see if I'm sure. Okay, I just want to make sure. Look at, that's, there's the bridge. So uh, stuff like this is just crazy. because <laughs> Do you guys remember this? I remember walking to music stores back in the day and you'd see stuff like this. And you know, so Tusk, love that headstock. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so to answer your question, yeah, I love all the old Greco Japanese guitars. I like all the wacky old Japanese guitars, the high quality shred playing style ones, the, uh, the, uh, you know, off the wall, crazy ones. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely a fondness there, uh, for those guitars. They, they, they hearken to a time where people were just making the craziest stuff ever. So Okay, so Bubba has got a question. It says, watched a video recently regarding a hack instead of an attenuator. Put a volume pedal in the effects loop and use it to turn down the amp. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I did a video like that two years ago. 
So yeah, I obviously love the idea. Did the, uh, but if you watch my video, um, as much as I like the volume pedal, I do recommend an EQ pedal sometimes better than a volume pedal because sometimes when you run the volume down, it thins down and you can use the EQ to thicken it back up. But yeah, I have a, a video. Uh, so I obviously like the idea for sure. Um, that was one of my first videos I think I ever did on my channel was that video. Um, and because uh, it's something I, I, I still do to this day. Love doing that. The next question is from Lyrifical. Lyrical. Lyrical. Sorry. Man, hold on. Let me. Lyrical One. That's what it is. Lyrical One. What about the Kika bass bridge compared to the old? Okay. So I think what you're saying is the Kika is the new compared to the Badass 2 bridge. I haven't tried it, but I'm a fan of the Badass 2 bridge. They just don't make them anymore, right? The Leo Kwan Badass 2 bridges. Uh, higher mass, more tone kind of thing on the bridge. Um, the Badass 2 bridges are fantastic. On all of my Fender bases, I use a very the, the, the boring bent metal bridge that comes with the Fender bass. Uh, just because I don't want to add more weight to my instrument, even though you know there's a lot of logic about the sustain. I find that anchoring the strings to the body in my personal opinion, does as much as just anchoring them to a heavy piece of metal. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, haven't tried the the kick-up versus the uh, the badass twos. Uh, Justin says, hey, dude, any tips on getting more customers for my repair and mod service for guitars and amps? Tons of love from Canada. Um, yes. Uh, the best way, I believe, to build your repair slash well just your business period in today's in today's market and, and is to champion your customer base in other words when a customer brings you especially something hard don't don't post the boring stuff you know people do stuff all day they, they can string their own guitars but if somebody brings you um you know a, a hard repair that's a good time just get the customer's permission and to put that on your instagram put it on your facebook let other people see what came in your shop today? What is difficult today? Um, when you do a repair, do the, do some before and after shots. Put that out there. Those are the best advertisements because what you'll find is, is your instinct will be, you know, that nobody really engaged it. You know, you go, here's the before and after of a broken headstock and, and you get like eight clicks. But what you don't realize is, is that those eight people that clicked on there, um, one of them will be talking one day, a couple weeks later to somebody, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I think I damaged my guitar. And they go, you know, there's this guy, and he he did a really cool broken headstock. Those visual things people remember way more than your name. In fact, they'll probably forget the name of your business, but they'll remember what you did. But from the recollection of that, they'll find you again. So I think the best way to kind of grow your customer base is to champion each customer. And remember, every customer that comes to your business knows exactly where you are. So make sure when they leave, you do everything in your power to send those walking billboards out as happy as possible. And uh, and and you know that's the the way you do it. Uh, kind of like just that's a long way of saying word of mouth. But in today's day with social media, again, um, you know kind of put out there what you're doing. And then other thing about business 101, man, is everyone on the planet should know what you do. I have a, I have a, a, a saying, a saying that I loved saying it has about, about business. If you're a real estate agent, everyone on the planet that you know, should know you're a real estate agent. So 
that being said, and I think real estate agents always get that concept, but sometimes as guitar techs, as repairmen, as shop owners, as uh, you know, everybody else in this industry, musicians, bands, it, to me, if you want to do something for a living, it's important that every single person knows you, knows that you do it. Not, you know, uh, the worst to me is when somebody you've known for many years, you go, yeah, I was repairing a guitarist and they go, oh, you repair guitars? That you should take that as a just like a ton of bricks coming on top of you as I, as a failure going, I can't believe I didn't let them know. Um, and, uh, you know, and to be honest with you, how you learn to do that is learn to love the sigh. In other words, the sigh is when people sigh at you like, oh, when you go, well, hey, just so you guys know, I do repair. <sighs> when they sigh, don't think of that as they hate, they can't, they don't want to hear this anymore. Think of it as you have effectively marketed yourself because when they sigh, that means they already knew. That means you were doing a good job. So that's how I would uh, recommend doing that, like I said. So there you go. Um, Alzar's got a question, man. I don't even have an answer, but I'll read the question. It says, thoughts on the evolution of the Mojo pickups. I, I don't know. I don't have a thought on it. I feel bad, but at least I could do a shout, shout out, Alizar. Um, uh, Phil, Tony wants to know, what's my choice of a non-Gibson Epiphone Les Paul style guitar under $500 and over $500? Uh, under $500, um, for me, for Les Paul style guitars, I like LTDs. I like the PRSSEs. Um, I know some people are going to say Holler Bentons and stuff like that. I haven't really actually spent a whole lot of time with the Holler Benton Les Paul style guitar. The, the one I played at the sh at the GitCon was a Tele, uh, and uh, I think I played at a couple others, but so I have no experience with those. The Ibanez single cuts were okay, but like I said, when I think single cuts and I think under five hundred bucks, uh, the Schecter single cuts because uh, I'm thinking used, right? Schecter single cuts uh, were good. The LTDs were good, and the SEs I like those uh, for sure. Um, I've tried a couple of the agile ones. Those weren't bad, but I didn't like them as much as some of the Epiphones I played. I thought they were good, but I didn't, I, what I mean is as, as much as I didn't prefer them over, they were just as good as quality when I was playing them, but I didn't prefer them over an Epiphone. And you're asking me a choice uh, instead of the non Epiphone Gibson over $500. Um, I'm going to definitely say for me, uh, it's going to be again, PRS SEs or S twos. Uh, and that's just because I, I like my S2 single cut, single cut, single cut PRS. I love it as much as my Les Paul, for sure. No questions at all. So, okay. Jacob wants to know, Phil, do you have any experience with the EVH Detuna for Floyd Rose? I do. Uh, I have two made in Japan Jacksons. I like to put them on. Is it hard to do? It's it's important. It's important. To me, if you want to have the EVH Detuna on there uh, and be successful, the it's not in a recessed cavity. The recessed cavities always seem to be the problem because you don't know if it's going to clear the cavity. So that's the first issue. So if you have two main Japan Jacksons, uh, I'm already concerned that they might have recessed cavities and the Detuna won't work. There's a new device out, though, uh, that is going to be uh, for Floyd Roses that will allow you to use in a, in a cavity. Um, I don't know if it's for sale. Somebody showed me one at the NAM show. And then ironically, I saw Steve from Boston had one of the, one of the models on his Instagram. So that led me to believe that they must be out there somewhere. I just haven't seen where to get one yet. Uh, so I'd love to recommend it, but I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I've seen it. So as an alternative to the D tuna, uh, 
and but like I said, uh, installing the detuner is very easy. Yeah, you know, it's uh, if you can put a chair together at IKEA, you're way overqualified to install a detuna. However, the recess cavity will be an issue. If you have two, I would recommend buying one detuna and checking that out and see how that works. Okay. Uh, La Lady Stay says, if I bought every yellow and orange Bosch, Boss Stomp Box and AB them, all with level 10 and gain zero, would they all do the same thing? Um, No. Uh, because you said yellow and orange. To me, the SD1 and the DS1 are uh, completely different in those settings. So I'm going to say no. <laughs> they're not going to be the... But they're going to be like the same. They're voiced a lot like the same. But no, my experience is not the same. Just because those two pedals. Uh, the reason is is because I like the SD1 the way that sounds in that position. But the SD1, uh, I, I'm, I'm not... Uh, like if it, if I could pick either one and be fine with it, it'd be great. But I can't. I like the SD1 over the DS1 for that setting. Okay. David's got a question. Electroacoustics with small radius electric electricity neck. Think you mean electric acoustic with a small radius neck. I'm going to say that's what you mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, radius is the fretboard, not the neck. But I will tell you this. I actually play an electric acoustic with a very small neck that I love. It's the Breedloves. Um, there's one behind me, actually, right? Yeah. That right there. That is got a super small neck. I love it. Some of the Ibanez's are small like that too, but I would definitely look at that series. Uh, Breed loves. I'll put a uh, link in the description when I'm when I time index this. So, Rick Rico USA says, "Will GitCon be better than TGU18?" I have no idea. I have no. No idea. Um, it, what I think is going to happen is GitCon is going to be the same as it was last year. I'm not in any kind of loop. They're, I'm not going to GitCon, so they didn't, they're not telling me anything. I have no inside information. But from my last communique with them, uh, the guys at GitCon, I got the impression they're just going to do what they did last year. Same, same thing. Uh, a lot of the same YouTubers are going. I'd say half uh, that are going that were last year. And there'll be some new new YouTubers, right? Um, but I didn't get that they were going to change the the vibe or the way the event was. Uh, I was told earlier this year that there will be some more vendors, but I've also heard some vendors have pulled away from it. So uh, I'm going to say GitCon will be the same as it was last year. So what I don't know is FTG 18 was is bigger than last year's GitCon. They vibe to me the, the same. They all vibe the same because you know it's the same thing. It's the same of uh, you know same thing. It's a bunch. Of, it's a place for a bunch of YouTubers to get together and check out some gear and hang out. So, um, like I said, I wish both uh, all the best. I hope TG18 has great results in numbers, and I hope to get Con ends up doing well. And who knows? Maybe everybody will be friends again one day. You never know. There are stranger things that I've seen in my life happen. Uh, Jay Yelton says, thoughts on the Strymon OB-1 compressor pedal uh, and this single pickup guitar. Oh, nope. Sorry. Wrong question. Let's go back. Hold on. I just want to make sure before I go back to the main that I didn't miss anything. As you guys all look at me 
just read. Okay. I'm sure we missed one. Oh, uh, Lonnie says, Phil, thoughts on Eastwood Guitars? Um, Eastwood Guitars reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in checking out one of their guitars. And I took the link to their website and gave it to the Patreon members. And the Patreon have given me tons of suggestions, so many so that uh, I've been sorting them to figure out uh, what would be a good choice. They're definitely a guitar. I thought it would be cool. Um, I asked everybody on Patreon if they thought uh, that would be something that everybody would dig. And they said, yeah. So, so yeah, I think it would be cool. The Snurd says, do you know anything about the Yamaha EVG-103C Flying Samurai guitar? Bought one in a yard sale. Looks killer. Sounds okay. Can't find much about it. No, I've never heard of that one. But uh, and now it'll be in the index. So if I can find a link to something cool, I'll, I'll definitely link it. And again, uh, sometimes when we have, uh, you know, 878 of us guitar nerds hanging out, uh, you know, and geeks, uh, please, uh, anything you guys know, put anything in there. Okay, so we hit a couple of questions. We're going to do a couple more questions and then a couple, just a couple announcements. We talked about earlier at the beginning that I'll be at the PRS event this uh, Friday and Saturday. So again, just sort of re want to re reiterate that and mention that so that you guys are, uh, if you guys are in the area, if you're there at the PRS event, say hi to me. I'll be walking around looking at gear. So there you go. Uh, the other thing is, I should mention that's important, is the shirt of the month. Um the shirt this month, I'll put a link in the description when we're done. There's a shirt this month. It's a different guitar every month. So that's updated. That was updated actually, I think a week ago, uh, or right when the, the month started, but I didn't make an announcement as sometimes I forget. <laughs> so, um, and I feel bad about that. And uh, let's do a couple more questions and then we'll call it. Okay, uh, Geometrical sh Shape says, are the Wolfgang pickups in the Wolfgang Special different than the pickups in the USA Wolfgangs? This is a touchy subject because some of the really strong EVH gear freaks say they are different. I cannot hear a difference. When you pull them apart, I, I physically have taken them both out of guitars and I've taken pictures and went through them. Uh, yeah, they are the same. Uh, you know, somebody's like, well, the wire in this one is slightly thinner than the wire of that one. But I mean, they physically almost look the same in every way. But sound wise, I could not pick one apart from the other. I can't do it. Um, and so uh, it, they could be different. Um, you know, there's a, they swear that the USA ones are USA made pickups and the import ones are import pickups. Um, but they are cloned to the point where they just really impressive. Uh, so. I, I can't tell you this. I have a bunch of Wolfgang pickups in guitars. I like them. And I have one set that I bought. US, I think that are USA set, at least as with the boxes were kind of labeled years ago when they first came out in a guitar. And I like them, but I have the import ones in all my other guitars and I like them just as much uh, to the point where I can't tell a difference. So again, you know, that's where it's tough. I can't tell a difference. So, and I've put um, a good amount of time into this. Uh, you're trying to hear the difference. So, uh, so there you go. Like I said, it's not like I, I it's passively can't hear a difference. I mean, I really couldn't hear a difference even trying. Um, next question is from Brian who says thoughts on the platinum Friedman pedal boards, uh, say in comparison to the Schmidt array and custom pedal boards. 
I haven't even seen the Friedman Platinum pedal boards. Uh, is that they came out a while ago, right? Haven't tried them, so I don't have any experience with that. Um, and uh, so sorry to have no super answer there. But uh, ever thought of a lefty T-shirt? There's a lefty guitar T-shirt. Um, I don't know if it's next month or August, but there'll be a lefty shirt uh, for sure. Um, so uh, uh, that is for sure. Whether it's one guitar or all the guitars just offered as a lefty, I don't know, but there'll be a lefty shirt. Uh, like I said, there'll eventually be every style of guitar in that logo at, at some point. Uh, because what she's doing is she's creating a catalog of logos that way. So that eventually, I think the plan is eventually to offer all the styles or something like that, or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I should, I should know more. I should ask more questions about this stuff, but, um, but basically, uh, there is a lefty for sure. Cause I seen it. I seen, I seen the mock-up of it. So that is definitely for sure coming. Uh, David says thoughts on the Ernie Ball Music Man Axis uh, Super Sport. Oh yeah, you know somebody asked me about this. Also, I'm selling my Les Paul. Ah, I don't think you should sell your Les Paul. <laughs> so, if you want some advice, I wouldn't sell your Les Paul. What I can tell you is, um, I have uh, I have a friend from California, and he, I said you should move to Arizona. And he said, well, the problem is once you leave California, you can never go back. And what he meant was California constantly goes up in, in costs. And then once you leave California and you sell your house, if you decide to move back, it's going to cost more to get less. So you can't go back. That's the analogy. I think your Les Paul is the same deal, buddy. <laughs> I think if you sell a Les Paul, you better be sure you never want one again. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go up in value or anything. I'm just saying they ain't getting cheaper. So something to think about there. Uh, but on the Ernie Ball uh, Music Band Access uh, Super Sport, uh, do I have thoughts on it? Uh, I was at, you know what? I think somebody asked me about this or maybe it was you a couple weeks ago and I started looking on them online and really liked them. They were pricey, but very, very nice guitars. I'm I'm a real big Ernie Ball Music, music Band fan of their guitars. I think they're fantastic. I think the necks are fantastic. I think they sound great. Um, and, uh, I own my Petrucci. I got rid of it and I've been on the market for an Ernie ball, uh, music man for a while now. So, um, when the right one finds, you know, it's like the right time, right color, right model, right price. I'll buy it. But I'm trying, I'm really kind of burnt out on the online thing. I bought a bunch of stuff online. I got it. You know, it just seems like a, it's just, you're wrestling a bear. You're never happy. So I'm always happiest when I just kind of come across a guitar and find the one and go, yeah, yeah, this is great. So if I find a music man, that's what I plan to do. But until then, not so much. Uh, Esky Nas, sure. Why not? Canas something says best affordable practice amp for Ibanez M eight O M eight string Meshuggah style. All right. 29, four. 29, I think it's 0.4. I don't know. We're going to say 29-inch scale uh, length. And I noticed the Marshall Code 25 gets muddy. Um, yeah, dude. Well, all of them are going to get muddy. Uh, if you want my personal suggestion, if I had a 8-string Meshuggah style, uh, which is down-tuned, uh, you got do, practice amps, you need to be, you need more wattage and a bigger speaker. 12-inch speaker, man. 10 speakers are great. Don't get me wrong. But when they're small and there's so much distortion, it's going to get a mushy and kind of kind of crazy. Uh, so 
I really like, if you want a suggestion that's kind of cool, I kind of really like the the uh, Roland Cubes. They take a lot of a lot of abuse. Something like that for sure. I'd say the Katana, of course. The code is going to be the, like the Katana, but I think maybe the, the Katana is a little better. Um, but that's what I would look at as practice stamps, maybe going up to the 50. And if you like the Marshall code, go to the 50. Uh, you know, if the only issue it gets muddy, get the 50. Help, help help clean that up. So, uh, just cause that's a lot of low end frequency. So usually I would say a 10 over a 12, but I think for the Meshuggah stuff, man, you need that bigger speaker just a little bit, just to help, like I said, um, help get that mid range definition in there. Okay. Let's see. And let me go through. Oh, uh, Mike says, hey, Phil, are you changing the days of the live stream? It would be nice. No, I'm not. What it is is the live streams are Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. However, in cases where I'm out of town like this last week and then this Friday and we cannot have the live stream on that day, I'll put something else up on that day. But I will do I'll move the live stream because we will always do the live stream. Um, when I skipped the live streams before, a lot of people seemed uh, like they didn't like that. So what I promised in the past was we wouldn't skip them. We would move them. You know what I mean? Put something else in this place and move them. So that's what we did. And then I did mo today, Monday specifically is not really that choice. Usually I want to move them to a Saturday, but I, I really wanted to because this weekend is going to be the PRS event. So there's going to be problems this weekend coming too. Uh, Bubba says, Phil fix the issue with the muddy pickups in my custom fender. Sweet. Upgraded the pots and put a cap in the switch instead of on the pot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. That's good. So that's cool. Did you do that with trial by error or did you, did you kind of read up and figure out the, the spot? I'm curious, um, you know, how you kind of did that. Okay. And then, yeah, don't skip. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I won't skip. I'll just move it. Uh, somebody was mentioning Dan Terry for setups. Uh, I've never heard of him. But I'll, I'll look him up, Dan, Dan Terry. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> if I skip, you guys will beat me up. They um. Okay, so with that note, I think we'll call it. We went a little over today, which is fine, right? Had a good time. There was. At 1.900 of us, so appreciate that. Killian just did a super chat. Appreciate that. Um, I'm excited about the show. I got some a nice rig for the the uh, PRS event. If you guys have anything that you're interested in at the PRS event, maybe a question you want me to ask, something you want me to see, please put that in the comments when this video replays, uh, so that I have them. I will I will check for that. Uh, you can send me messages as well to the email links. And, uh, and then I just want to do a quick shout out, of course, real quick, cause it's important as soon as I find it, <laughs> maybe, maybe I lost it. Hold on a second. Here it is. Um, I want to do a shout out to all of the people, uh, that do the Patreon. And the only reason, of course, this is important is they support and pay for the live show and podcast, which is way important to mention right now, because some of you, I don't know if you know this, but apparently a lot of you do. Uh, something that happened that was really interesting was 
is that um, the uh, iTunes is beta testing, giving me data. So they let me know that uh, how the podcast is doing. The podcast is doing way better than I thought it was doing. <laughs> uh, I thought it was doing good, but you guys apparently are downloading and listening to the, the podcast version of this. Uh, KYG podcast on iTunes is what this is. So it's also available on SoundCloud. And the reason that's important and why I always mention the patrons for this, the patrons are paying for the podcast. Podcasts are a free downloadable service. In other words, you, you don't pay anything for it. And uh, usually the content creators get paid through sponsorship. And the sponsorship in this case isn't a company it's you guys so uh thank you so much to every single one of you guys who uh make this happen as you can see there's quite a few patrons or 400 of you guys you're fantastic you make all of this happen which is also a reason that's also important to point out is why i don't skip a, a live show i promised the patrons i would never skip the live shows um because they are sponsoring them and i felt that was fair so uh, to 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 honor what they they requested. So I want again. I want to thank you uh, for for that because that's it makes it makes this a lot a uh, lot better. <laughs> Let's just say this it makes it better for everybody. So thank you guys. Oh yeah, a lot of podcast rules things. So thank you guys so much, uh, everybody, for making this happen. And um, also, like I said, we'll uh, we'll talk soon, and uh, we'll have some videos up. Uh, believe it or not, there'll be a video up tomorrow. I know tomorrow is not the regular schedule, but because I interrupted today's video to do the live show, today's video will be tomorrow. This will be an interesting week, but uh, I'm sure you will go with the punches. As always, guys, I want to thank everybody for their time, and until next week, uh, know your gear. <laughs>